Get ready to throw perfection out the window because you're tuned in to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Penhorwood, and I'm a marketing coach and the founder of Harper Collective, where I help business owners master their PR and simplify their marketing. Each week, we'll be unlocking valuable tips to up-level your business and sharing honest conversations with entrepreneurs to uncover their stories and wisdom to inspire you to take action. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Launching a business can be a roller coaster ride, and often it's a bit tricky to gain advice from leaders in the industry you're looking to launch into. This has inspired me to bring you a series of upcoming episodes this month that give you a real and honest look into what it takes to launch and grow a successful business. For the first episode, as part of this series, we are joined by Tara Solberg. Creative to her core and entrepreneurial in spirit, Tara is the founder and owner of both Few and Far and Indigo Love. In this episode, we get a backstage pass into what goes into launching and growing a successful retail business. We chat about Tara's career journey before launching her businesses, what it was like taking the leap to leave her nine to five role, the things that didn't quite go to plan in the early years and ways that Tara has been really intentional about shaping her brand experience. And I can tell you right now that when you walk into one of her stores, it brings so much inspiration into your world that you just don't want to leave. This episode is filled with so many tips and ideas and mindset shifts that I just know that you are going to love it. So let's dive right in. Tara, welcome to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thanks so much, Alicia. I'm so happy to be here. So I always love to kick off by celebrating an imperfect action that you've taken recently. Do you have one that you would love to share with us? Well, there's probably plenty of those actually, (laughs) especially lately, but we're actually setting up a, a showroom, I guess you could call it at the moment for our wholesale and retail trade. And it's very close to opening. And I guess I've probably lost a little motivation in terms of getting it set up quickly because a lot of it happened sort of through lockdown and all of that kind of thing. And we all know how we're feeling after that. So I've probably completely dropped the ball on the whole marketing side of things. Like normally, you know, when we do store fit outs and things, I've got, you know, stories on Instagram and, you know, posts and all of those sorts of things kind of building that all up. And for this one, I just haven't done anything. (laughs) And it's kind of at the point now where we're pretty much ready to open and nobody's going to know about it. So I'm just like, yeah, good one, Tara. (laughs) Messed that one up. But, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I know that it'll get out there and there's been so much happening lately. I've, you know, I have realized I can't do everything. And when you're trying to do everything, you can't do it well. So I've just been focusing on, you know, getting that done and all of that sort of thing. And we'll start promoting it now. (laughs) And people probably think it's like this big secretive reveal. (laughs) So not. Oh, I love that. That's so funny. Yeah, I I was none the wiser. I actually was like, oh, like, I can't wait to see when, you know, when we hear more, like, it's this big top secret thing. So 
as an outsider, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a good strategy then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So can you take us back to what your career journey looked like before launching your businesses? Yeah, so I um, was at university in Sydney, in Paddington, um, at the College of Fine Arts on Oxford Street, and I was had been there for three years, so I'd moved up there. I, I live down on the south coast, and I've been almost born and raised on the south coast. I've been here since I've been two years old. So I went up to Sydney for uni, and you know, after, just after the third year, I found out about a job going back on the south coast in Sussex Inlet, which was with the surf company Ocean and Earth, which is basically, you know, a dream job. I was a south coast girl. I loved the beach. I loved the surf industry, all that sort of thing. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go for this. So my, my course was a Bachelor of Design and the position advertised was for a ladies designer. So I thought, well, you know, I'm probably not qualified enough for this position but this is ultimately what I want I want to move back down to the south coast this is the lifestyle that I want to build so I'm going to go for it so I rang up and um, managed to apply for the position which I then ended up getting Um, so I was so so excited about that moved back home and um, down to the south coast and started working at Ocean and Earth while still completing my uni degree so had that whole fourth year to go which I drove up to Sydney twice a week for to finish off then had made a project and all of that kind of thing but so it was a lot of work but I got it done and yeah, so I was then working as the ladies designer for Ocean and Earth where I designed the clothing ranges, the accessories ranges, the hardware ranges, all of that for the ladies side of the business. Amazing. That's so interesting. That's actually where I met my husband Danny. So he was the men's designer. Oh, he wow. actually hired me. And so yeah, he's obviously my business partner now in our own business. Oh, I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> and Where did the inspiration come from to launch Few and Far and Indigo Love? Did you launch them around sort of the same time or what came first? What did that look like? Yeah, so when we worked for Ocean and Earth, we had the very fortunate experience of travelling the world twice a year to forecast trends and to look at what other fashion brands were doing to buy samples, basically to leave home with an empty suitcase and come home with a full one. And then from there, we'd, you know, build ranges from the inspiration that we'd taken from overseas. But I'd been there for about five years and Danny had been there much longer. And we sort of, there were quite a few changes happening within the business. There were sort of investors coming in and the whole kind of, I guess you'd call it the vibe or the whatever of the place had changed. And it was feeling a little less exciting and things, but that was more just for us because I guess we were at that stage where we we realised that we wanted more. Um, we're always very creative and thinking of lots of ideas and how can we do this better and that side of things. But on one of the trips that we did overseas, we were in Melrose in California, and. We walked into a showroom there that had all of this amazing vintage, one-of-a-kind pieces of furniture and it was this massive, big sort of warehouse-style building. And as we walked up towards the back, the owner was sitting at a desk 
at the back of the warehouse and he was just working away at his laptop and he looked really relaxed and like he was just loving what he was doing and Danny was like I want to be him (laughs) (laughs) it was a dream that I'd always had and for me to hear him say that was just kind of like the nail in the coffin really in terms of trying to make a decision on what we should do I'd always be dragging him into furniture and homeware stores while we're over there like anthropology the most amazing store in the world and just you know really loving that whole store experience of what they created so that was kind of when the idea for few and far was born and we thought that we would open our own furniture and homeware store which we struggled with for a little while because we weren't sure you know it sort of seemed like it could only be a hobby like I didn't think that you could actually make money out of it (laughs) I sort of thought that I would be like as myself, I was thinking very narrowly and I thought I, I was, you know, the typical customer, somebody who'd kind of go down, say, for example, we lived in Manana and we'd go down to Milton every weekend and we'd have lunch and then we'd just have a look around the shops and leave empty-handed without buying anything. So I'm thinking, well, most people would probably do the same thing. So how could you possibly make any money? We had a friend who'd actually owned a homewares and furniture store and she showed us her figures and that kind of really cemented the idea for us, showing us that you can actually make um, money out of doing something like that, especially, you know, when it's something that you love. So that really, really gave us the confidence to take that leap and I resigned from Ocean and Earth first uh, with the intention that Danny would finish up as soon as we could worked out whether or not our business was successful or not, I found a, a shop that we renovated extensively and it all kind of happened from there, really. So, yeah, the plan was always to start with the retail store. The wholesale came much later and it was sort of something that evolved from the way that we built our business. You make it sound so effortless. It sounds like such a dream, but I'm sure that there was so many, like, challenges and little things that come up in between. So what was that, I guess, for both of you, what was those feelings like of taking that leap to leave your nine to five? Yeah, I often think about this because I've been asked quite a lot about that because it can be something that's really, really scary, especially when you've got this secure job, you're getting paid quite well. You know, there's no reason really to leave that job except that you're not feeling happy with what you're doing, which is the major reason why you should leave that job. So for me, it just felt right. Like I never really had any doubt. Like once I had made up my mind that that's what I wanted to do, then I was so focused on achieving the outcome that I had envisioned for myself that I just knew that I could make it happen or I believed that I, I could make that happen. And, and that's what I had to do because, you know, we'd, I'd made that decision and, and that was the path that I'd be walking on for the next however long it took to get there. So, yeah, for me, I felt quite confident with my decision. Yeah, I remember when I left my nine to five to start Harper Collective and it it was the same sort of thing. It's kind of just that gut feeling of like, no, this is what we're doing and there's no plan B, like there's no other option. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess at the time, like, 
you know, we we probably didn't have a lot to lose. Like we we, had, we did have a lot to lose. Like we we built our own house and all of that sort of thing. But we weren't putting that all on the line. We were we were managing our level of risk and that sort of thing. And for me, it w- I would have been more regretful if I hadn't have taken that chance and you know gone out to do what I following something that I loved. And imagine if you didn't. Like, look what you've created today. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) I know. If that's not inspiration enough for people listening, like just go for it. (laughs) So was there anything major that didn't quite go to plan in those early years of launching? Oh, definitely. So many things, but probably most prominently our five-year plan. So (laughs) we had a five-year plan and that definitely didn't go to plan. So our five-year plan was to create our own competition and to open a second store in Huskisson within five years or around the five-year mark. Don't ask me why we wanted to do that, but, you know, Danny's always said it's the food court theory you know, you're attracting more people and there wasn't a lot of retail in Huskisson at that time. So I sort of wanted to turn it into the next Berry or Milton or something like that so that, you know, you you hold people there for a bit longer and there's a reason to visit. Yeah, we wanted to sort of open our second store in Huskisson within the five-year period, but that ended up happening the very next year. So an opportunity came up and to share a space with Pilgrim's Cafe. And so, yeah, we jumped at that and took that on and off we went. And then it just didn't slow down after that. Like there's something every year that happened and I don't think there's really been a break (laughs) ever. (laughs) And then we've been in business now for 12 years. So nothing really kind of went to plan for the early years. And I guess as we've evolved, like we've always had plans and we've always had goals, but, you know, sometimes when opportunities come up, you just have to grab them because they may not come up again. So have to be ready for those things. And I loved when I was listening to your podcast, how you said sometimes the challenge for both of you was actually not thinking big enough and dreaming big enough, which I've never really heard before, but when I was listening to you explain it, I was like, that makes so much sense. And I'm sure that so many entrepreneurs also do that as well. Like we kind of play small and go, I'll just, you know, I'll make this work for now, but we actually sort of limit ourselves in the long run. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. Like we thought that we were thinking big and even now we think that we're thinking big but you're only limited by what you know and you don't know what you don't know so it's hard to you know put a ceiling on that so it you know my advice is to always think as big as you can and really aim high obviously with what building systems and processes and things like that so that you can achieve that but yeah, I think thinking big has been has been a really um, important thing for us to keep doing throughout our whole business journey. And what was the journey, and I guess the process like in your goal of bringing the world home? So sourcing and importing unique pieces. What was that like? Sort of you know, finding those places around the world, and I guess you know you walk into one of your stores and everything just works so beautifully together, but I'm sure that a lot goes into actually making that happen. So what's that like? 
That's funny because <laughs> it, that's definitely been one of the challenges. So I know you may have heard the story when you listened to one of the podcast episodes about when we imported our first container from China, for example, and that was only sort of a year into our business and we had no idea what we're doing, none whatsoever, but we knew that we wanted to start bringing these beautiful antique and vintage pieces into, you know, our story basically. So how would I put it? I basically put Danny on a plane and sent him off to China for three days <laughs> and said, good luck. <laughs> no, there was a bit more to it than that. We'd done some research, not a lot more to it, but um, we did some research just looking on things like Alibaba and that sort of thing. So that it's really hard to source without traveling so you know the really important important part of that whole process was jumping on a plane and you know meeting suppliers and making contacts and connections and all of that sort of thing so he went over to China had no idea what he was doing ended up walking the streets with a calculator because nobody could speak English eventually found somewhere that he could buy furniture but then nobody could talk to him because they couldn't converse with him and we thought that we were you know it wasn't going to happen because it got to the third day and there was still nothing that he'd been able to like, organize and on that third day I think it was you know just after lunch on that third day he met a freight agent who was able to take him around to some of the suppliers and translate and speak on his behalf and all of that sort of thing. So he managed to pull it all together on that last day. And yeah, <laughs> we still deal with a lot of those suppliers even now. So yeah, that was really just a start. And then we'd had similar experiences in India and Turkey and all of the places that we've imported from India being the hardest country ever to work out <laughs> and you know import from and that sort of thing so yeah there's definitely been a lot of memorable experiences in the whole bringing the world home aspect of our business for us but that's really what's made it it's been you know such an incredible experience for us and how have you find it I guess you know with sort of not being able to travel over the last few years because I know one of my clients is Walter G Textiles. So they do beautiful like hand block printed textiles and they're just desperately missing being over there with the artisans. So how have you found sort of, I guess, working around that? As I said, like with some of our suppliers, we've had them for that since the beginning of our business almost. So we do have really good, really strong established relationships with a lot of them. Um, and we have agents and that sort of thing who can kind of do a bit of the groundwork for us. But so that side of things has not been too affected. But I guess like the girls from Walter G, like the biggest thing is just you know, that lack of inspiration, like you're not traveling and you're not, you know, over there experiencing it and looking around and, you know, seeing what's available and what can be done and that sort of thing. It's so hard to, you know, dream up anything new or you know, put new ranges together and that sort of thing. And trying to do that over the internet and through email is just almost impossible. It's just like, 
oh my gosh like you're trying to get samples made and then you'll you know you'll organize samples to get made and the, the process just takes so much longer because then they'll send back what they their interpretation of your drawings or whatever it might be and then it's wrong so then you've got to get them remade and it's just yeah a lot longer a lot more time consuming your stores, like I said before, they just evoke emotion and inspiration from the moment that you walk in. Whenever I'm down the South Coast, like I'll go get breakfast and a coffee and then I'm straight into your store. <laughs> like it's always part of any trip. So have you been intentional with creating that? And what what have you actually done to make sure that people have that inspiration from the moment that they walk in? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely been intentional and it's been one of the biggest things that we've really focused on since the conception of the idea when our business came about. So that whole store or in-store experience is just so important to us. We want people to be able to, to just step inside our stores, forget where they are, forget about time, or, you know, just wander around to their heart's content and just feel calm, relaxed, and like they could spend all day in there. And that for us has been really, really important. So everything from the, the fit outs that we create to, you know, the music, the scent, the everything is part of that store experience. And being able to kind of step inside and escape from the outside world is just really, really important. And just being able to feel like you can wander around and take it all in and yeah, just, and a lot of people come in and they'll do several laps just because they like being in there for so long, which is, it makes me so happy when I hear that because it's exactly what we set out to do. Yeah. I always go down with my mum and we'll like, between us, we'll do several laps and she'll be up one end and I'm up the other. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even the way that like we merchandise things or, you know, everything is intentional in terms of creating that store experience. And you've recently launched Trade Wins. Can you share a little bit more about this? From all of the years of experience that I've had now in retail, I, I've actually had quite a few people come to me asking, can you tell me more about how you got started in business? And, you know, I love your stores, that sort of thing. So I thought, well, I really, really would love to help these people. And, and I, I get so excited about other people's ideas, probably more excited than they do. <laughs> And, you know, Danny and I both the same, like I'll talk about them and then we'll, we'll dream up a new business for somebody else. Like it's just one of those things. So I'm like, why not start something that, you know, helps other people get to where we've gotten to and teaches them what we've learnt through all of these years of experience. And it's basically teaching them how not to learn the hard way because <laughs> we've definitely learned the hard way. We've, we've had, you know, we've been through so many challenges. We've learnt a lot of lessons expensive mistakes, all that sort of thing. And I'm like, if I had that person at the beginning when we started out, we could have gotten to where we are so much faster and, you know, without making those mistakes or spending that extra money that doesn't need to be done or, you know, all of those sorts of things. I just feel like it's an invaluable tool to starting a retail business. So, yeah, I've developed trade wins to help others start their own retail business amazing it's going to be awesome I can't wait to like see all the things that that come from it and 
To wrap up, what would your words of wisdom be to listeners who are wanting to launch their own retail business that you wish someone could have told you at the very beginning? Yeah, so I've been asked this question a lot too and every time I answer I feel like it's very different and I've thought about it a lot as well and I think there's not really one thing that I could offer because there is such an accumulation of so many little things that you kind of find out along the way. There's nothing sort of, you know, concrete one big thing that I could share but one thing that I would say is to make sure that whatever it is that you're wanting to pursue or that you're looking at doing to make sure that you love what you're doing or that you're passionate about it because, you know, when you love what you do, then you will always do it well. That's the reason why we are here, isn't it? Like it's you just have to do what you love. Otherwise, I just can't imagine working in a job every day, every day that I don't love. But as well as obviously having that passion, you need to also make sure that you've got those you know systems and processes set up behind you in order for you to be able to keep doing it that way Mm. and where can listeners come to find out more about trade winds and all the amazing things that you're doing to visit few and far it's www.fewandfar.com.au which is all of our retail stores Um, but for trade winds they can visit my personal website which is uh, tarasolberg.com I've got an Instagram handle which is just tarasolberg and yeah there's all sorts of things that I've got planned for the new year coming up even another little outlet on the side which will be called the retail academy and that's for existing retailers who kind of want to up their game I guess in the retail world so helping those um, people to you know enhance their customer journeys and store experience and that sort of thing but um yeah so we've got yeah few and far Tara Solberg and then we've also got indigolove.com.au Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I've loved this episode with you. Thanks so much, Alicia. And I really have really enjoyed our conversation. And yeah, I love going back, you know, through talking about how the business has come about and sharing all of our stories. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love if you could leave a review or share a screenshot to Instagram and tag at Honestly Imperfect Podcast so that I can pop on over and say hello. I can't wait to connect with you again soon.